You are now listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is not only a blessing to you, but to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in our community by caring for the community. God bless. Is where we'll be today. Colossians chapter 3. Today, y'all, we deem back to school Sunday, right? And at the end today, we're going to pray specifically for all of our students and all of our teachers, right? And all of our parents, right? Um, my oldest son is getting ready to be a senior this year, so pray for me, right? I ain't ready to celebrate yet, right? I, you know, I'm feeling it in my bones. So, you know, um, so we're going we're gonna to pray for teachers, students, and parents today. But as we have deemed this back to school Sunday, as we prepare to kick off another school year, we want to want to um, kind of deal with like how justification affects that, right? And a great place to do that is right here in Colossians. So when you have it, Colossians 3, I'm beginning reading at verse 12. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'll begin reading here at verse 12. Here it is. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and the doers of his word. You may grab your seats um, this morning. As we look this morning, y'all, at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, I want to preach, if I can, uh, from the following subject. When being right with God collides with your character. When being right with God collides with your character. Hear this, y'all. There's such a joy and being in right relationship with God. For the last couple of weeks, y'all, we've looked at this topic of justification, not just as this, this doctrine that many don't really like to talk about, but really a doctrine that really affects how we live in the context of relationship. That this doctrine of justification, this doctrine simply defined being right with God, being justified or being in right relationship with God, this, this particular doctrine affects so much. But there is so much 
joy. There's so much peace. There's so much, if I can, fun in being in right relationship with God. And what I want you to see here is that, like, we are in right relationship with God. We are justified. We are declared righteous, y'all. We learned this last week at the moment of salvation. And it's important, y'all, for us to know that justification does not make us righteous, but rather justification or being justified declares us righteous. Because I've been declared righteous or declared right with God, it affects my whole life, right? So if justification doesn't make us righteous, then the question, right, that we want to keep in front of us, right, if justification don't make us righteous, then what is it that makes us righteous if justification only pronounces us out right and how you live right um as the church what happens there i want you to know that whatever way you live life really reveals your position in christ yeah life has a way of scratching or getting dusty and dirty or even there's all these attempts to break you but but believer hear this right let me share with you that you must live life in a way that honors the father you must live life in a way that really honors the Father, right? Here's the main point today that I really want to get across to you, really, and I'm going to show you this here in Colossians 3, right? When being right with God collides with your character, it affects everything about you. 
It affects everything about you. When you are right with God, not only does it affect your character, but it also affects your life rhythms. Hear this. Hear this. Your character is shaped by how you spend your time. Your character is shaped by who you hang around. Your character is shaped, hear this, by what you listen to. Your character is shaped by what you watch, right? That's why in 1 John, right, um, John talks about, right, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life because those things that we look at, those things that we listen to, right, even in Colossians 4, you see, right, Paul writing to the church of Colossae about their squad, right? He's answering the question, like, who's you hanging around, right? Demons and all that. Like, you need some faithful folk around you. You need some Jesus-loving folk around you. You need to hang around some folk that's going to push you toward purpose, right? What's shaping your character? What are you, how are you spending your time? What dictates your life rhythms, right? And a, as we look Look right into the 2023-2024 school year, right? Don't, don't only hear this in the context of student. Well, he just talking today to teachers and students, so I'm left out. No, no, you're not left out because you too must wrestle with how you spend your time, whether you have kids or not, whether you a teacher or not, right? Uh, I, I would even suggest to all of us today that even if you're not a student in the classroom, you still ought to be a student. Right. Even if you're not teaching a group of people, you still should be teaching somebody something. Right. Therefore, right. Um, what you know about God and being in right relationship with God, it affects your character and your life rhythms. And that's really the main point today. When you are in right, uh, when you are right with God, it affects your character and your life. Well, why? Why, why is this the case? I'm going to tell you why. Here in Colossians. Right here in Colossians 3, right, Paul opens this chapter telling us, right, right, he's talking to the church of Colossae. Now, understand that he spent a lot of time, right, in chapter 1, right, helping, right, this church really have, uh, have a, a proper view of the Lord, right? One of my favorite um, passages here in Colossians, right, is uh, somewhere around chapter 1, verse 5, right, when he says, when he's talking to them about who Jesus is, he says, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And then he goes further and says, it is he who holds all things together. Now, it's interesting, right, he reminds them in chapter 1 that he holds all things together, but then, right, fast forward to chapter 3, he's talking about the character of life. Certainly, right, if God can hold all this other stuff together, he can hold your life together, too. Certainly, if God can, if he's sovereign enough to answer your, your, your prayer for the stuff that you ask for, right, he's sovereign enough to help you to live a life that's pleasing to him. Right. No, I'm not saying right that we can live for the Lord in our own strength. But what I am saying is that when you are in right relationship with God, when you are justified by the finished work of Christ, the spirit of God takes up residence in your heart. And because of that, light and darkness can't dwell in the same place. One has to overpower the other. And I would suggest, right, that if there's something wrong, uh -uh, if you have a problem letting your light shine, that, that there's nothing wrong with the fixture. It's something wrong with the bulb. 
When you experience life with God, right, when you are in right relationship with God, it affects your character and your life rhythms. And right here in Colossians 3, he opened up telling me, he's like, hey, you've been set free in Christ, right, to seek things that are above and to set your mind on things that are above, right? This is possible, y'all, because, right, we've been raised with Christ in the past. We are hidden with Christ in the present, and we will appear, hallelujah, with him in glory. Therefore, right, like all of that speaks to right relationship, right? Uh, but what I love, right, is he says, Daryl, uh, you, you remember my song, right? Y'all seen my video, right, if y'all haven't, right? Like, like, folks won't let me record in their studio, right? But it's okay, I'm going to pay for my own studio time, right? Because Paul, right here in three, he was dropping bars. He was dropping some bars. If we're, if you're not a rap fan, then you can sing it. It can be um, gospel and B or something like that. I don't know, right? But 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 he's dropping some nuggets here in chapter three. Here's what he says: Therefore, put to death what's earthly. Right, and then he gives this long list, all of it shaping our life, shaping our character, shaping our life rhythms. That was just a fancy way of saying there's no way you can be right with me and be wrong with me at the same time. There's no way, right? Therefore, we ought to put to death, right, um, what, what's earthly, right? Then he gives a list, sexual immorality, idolatry, and all these things. Uh, he said, put off. Right. Um, the old, uh, um, the old self. And we are to then he says, put on in verse 10, those things that characterize the new self. Do you know that when you are in right relationship with God, some things you used to do, you can't do no more. There are some things that you used to say you can't say no more. There are some people that you hang around that you can't be comfortable hanging around them no more doing the same stuff. Now, now hear this. Hear this. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we've made as Christians is the Lord making us new and we stop talking to and going around those people. Why, why do I think that's a mistake? I'm going to tell you why I think it's a mistake. Why would we stop going around and hanging around those people if the Lord made us new? Don't you want them to meet them too? Right. That, that's why we can't be afraid, right, to be a part of PTOs. We can't be afraid, right, to, to go to, to political meetings and all of that stuff because the light must shine in the midst of darkness, right? We are new. Scripture said this way, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things pass away. All things are made new, right? And the idea of being in right relationship with God isn't for the church to go set up its own silos and echo chambers. It isn't. It's for us to begin to infiltrate silos and other echo chambers and give them a new message. It's for us, right, to, to infiltrate all of these circles, right, and begin to herald Jesus like never before. Well, Pastor Mike, what if they don't get it? What if they, what if they still doing their own thing? Great, there's an answer for that, too, if you read Acts, right? Right, Acts, Paul, them, they, they tried to infiltrate circles, right? They tried to make sure that they was about Jesus, right? But, but then, right, after they tried and tried and tried and prayed and tried and tried and tried and prayed and tried, right? The scripture says, right, they shook the dust off their feet. But notice, they didn't shake the dust off of their feet before they even gave it an attempt. Right, what am I saying? 
within your circles. There may come a time where you got to dust the dust off your feet, right? Shake the dust off your feet. But don't shake it off without trying first. Right? Don't let people live in hell, then die and go to hell simply because you never gave them the message to free them. Right? He wasn't just talking in this text to random people. He was talking to people who belong to Jesus. See, that's why he said those who have been chosen of God, right? Um, those holy and beloved. See, here in this text, right, this designates true Christians, right? Genuinely converted, blood-bought believers. This, this, this designates those who have been chosen by God, those who are blood-bought, right? Those who understand that, right, what Jesus did for me on the cross wasn't because of me, it was because of him. Therefore, I'm going to be in relationship with him. And because I'm in relationship with him, I want the whole world to know it, right? True Christians, those who've been Chosen by God. See, understand this. No one is converted solely by their own choice, but only in response to God's grace. When you are right with God, when you're living as a product of God's grace, it affects your character, yes, but it also affects your life rhythms. In view of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Paul, what I love here, in these few verses does a great job. He's describing the behavior or the attitude that God expects from people that's in right relationship with him. Right? Now, some would say, well, hold on, because now you're telling me that the word of God is a, is a bunch of rules? Actually, yeah. <laughs> There's no way you can experience God and think that it's okay with you living any kind of way. Right? Now, now, now hear this though. Not like, like, don't say, you know what, we got to rethink this church thing because Pastor Bird is going legalistic. I'm not going legalistic. I'm trying to stay biblical here. And when you look at the scriptures, you understand that being in right relationship with God, right, pushes you to change some things. It pushes you to have a new language. It pushes you, right, to have even a new crowd that you spend time with, right? In view of what God has done through the person and work of Jesus Christ, Paul begins to describe behaviors or, or attitudes that God expects of, of, the, of us in response to us being in right relationship with him. You do know that when you are in right relationship with God, he has an expectation. It ain't no different from you being in right relationship with a uh, uh, right horizontal relationship with people. All right, let's process it openly then. Okay. What do you expect from people you are in relationship with? Do you want it to be one-sided? How would you feel if you was in relationship with somebody and you did all the talking, you did all of the giving, you did all of the listening, but then when it was time for them to hear your heart, they disappeared. They say they love you. They say that y'all down like four flats. But as soon as life happens, they ain't nowhere to be found. It will bother you. It will frustrate you, right? Because it will frustrate you, that communicates that in relationship, you have expectations. And hear this. It's okay to have those expectations. But what I want you to know here is that God has those same expectations. 
He has expectations when you are in right relationship with him, right? And Paul here, looking at Colossians 3, 12 through 17, he does a great job at letting us know that because we are in right relationship with God, right, there are some expectations. What are they? There's four that I want to show you here. There's only four, right? Somebody say, oh, my God, he's getting longer and longer every week. I could have pulled 10, but I figured, right, that I would just do four because I ain't want nobody to fall asleep. Right. Here's number one. Here it is. Number one. Right. When you are in right relationship with God. Yeah. It affects your character and your life rhythms. How? Number one. When you are in right relationship with God, this text shows us that we have to put on godly character. You got to put on godly character. Watch what he says. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You do know, right, that exactly what he's telling us to put on right there is the same evidence that he gave in Galatians 5. That Y'all know Galatians 5, um, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and that, that word fruit brings us back to our English word evidence. So the evidence that the Spirit of God is at work in you is, right? So, so, so you can look at this to say uh, the evidence that you are in right relationship with God is, because there's no way that, that, that uh, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, that we can be fully compassionate without the Spirit of God. There's no way that we can be fully kind without the Spirit of God. There's no way that we can be fully humble without the Spirit of God. There's no way that we can be meek without the Spirit of God. There's no way that we can exercise godly patience without the Spirit. He says, put on then. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Then he goes further. He says, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, guess what he says? Forgive each other. But it wasn't just no any kind of forgiveness, Erica Cables. It was the kind of forgiveness that God has gave you. So what he's getting at here. What he's getting at, he, he's saying, hey, if you are in re right relationship with God, then you can't keep a record of wrong for other people. If you are in right relationship with God, then Jesus gave his life for you. So certainly you can give up your time. Certainly you can give up your preferences, right? You're in right relationship, right? It's going to cost you your forgiveness. Forgiving each other as the Lord. Pastor Dern, he says, as the Lord has forgiven you. Another scripture in the gospel says, if you want to be forgiven by God, you got to be forgiven other people. So you must also forgive. Then he says, verse 14, and above all these, put on love. But, 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 but it gets interesting here, Sister Juanita, because he said, put on love, but then he tells you why. Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Some of the reasons why we live in so much chaos is because love is absent. And when we talk about love, like I'm not talking about Valentine's Day chocolate hearts. I'm talking about the kind of love that was exemplified by Jesus on the cross. 
the kind of love that says, you know what, I am willing to give up my thoughts. I am willing to give up my preferences. I am, right, willing to give up my way of thinking all to show that kind of love. I mean, ultimately, that's what Jesus did, right? I want to share it with you. Your character, your character is the qualities that make up who you are. And listen, that character is influenced and developed by your choices. Your character is influenced and developed by your choices. See, a person's character really is the sum of of his or her disposition. It's the sum of your thoughts, your intentions, your desires, and even your actions. It's good, y'all, to remember that character, your character is gauged in general uh, uh, by, by uh, your, your character is really gauged by your general tendencies, not on the basis of a few isolated actions. But that, that means that if somebody thinks something about your character, it couldn't be just for one action. You, you show a pattern of this. Right. It's not just something that you do every now and then. Right. Your character is who you are. Right. And when you are in right relationship with God, who you are becomes godly. Right. So these people who are trying to diss you saying you super saved, that's a compliment. When people try to tell you, right, they're trying to diss you. You act like you holier than thou. Thanks. Right. Because because I'm in right relationship with God, even my character must be godly. Right. It's who you are. It's how you live on a daily basis. Like, hear hear this, your character, hear this, it's what you practice, right? That's why he uses the term here, put on, right? Um, Other translations use the words, clothe yourself, right? And knowing that, y'all, knowing that, knowing that, that put on her being clothe yourself really brings this passage to life. It really connects this passage to the previous one, right? Because we belong to Jesus. We are beloved, holy, chosen by God. We got to change. We got to change. What am I saying? We got to take off the old, dirty, filthy clothes, right? What is that? Sexual immorality, impurity, anger, wrath, malice, lying, and put on clothes, right? Put on our new wardrobe, right? You've been asking God for a new wardrobe. You've been asking God to change your closet. You've been asking God to do all of this stuff. He said, look deeper in the back. Open it up and look in the back, because if you look in the back, you will find, right, that I, I, I've replaced your favorite, your, your favorite sexual garment, I've replaced with integrity. He said, your favorite garment, your anger, I've replaced with peace. He says, right, you, because you are right with me, right, I've given you a new wardrobe. Simply put, what he's saying here is that because you are new, you must change. I told y'all before, right, um, about my senior sweats, right, uh, that I had, class of 2001, whoop, whoop, right? I couldn't fit them at a certain time, but I would still wear them. And my wife called herself talking about me because I like my senior sweats. No, she said, babe, you can't fit them anymore, right? I don't know where they are today, but right, I can fit them today, right? Hallelujah, right? But I had to get rid of them. Why? Because I can't fit them anymore. Right? Like, like wh- wh- why are we okay with wearing stuff that don't fit who we are today? Now, I know, right, the, the, the culture is different and we wear all these different kind of clothes and all of that stuff, right? Um, you can find loopholes in every illustration. All I'm saying is that God has made you new. And because he's made you new, 
those things, those character traits that qualify as the old you, you got to change that. Right. But you can't change that on your own. You need the power of the spirit. And and hear this. If you fall into a place where you just like uh, like like I, I just get tired of hearing the word. No, you need to hear it more because the more and more you hear the word, the more and more you you allow the word of God to saturate in your life. It'll change your person. You know, I, I would suggest to us, y'all, that as followers of Jesus, we fail to change because we try to change solely by breaking bad habits. Well, if I break this bad habit, I'll be fine. But change that lasts will not take place until we replace a bad habit with a godly habit. Right. That's why Paul talking to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians four, he says Christians ought to put off or to put to death the old sinful earthly way of life, renew their mind with biblical truth and put on a new godly way of life. Right. If, if you were to say, you know what, I'm taking off everything right now. But, but you don't replace it with anything. You're going to find yourself naked. And what you're going to do, you're going to go right back to what you're comfortable with. But there's a principle that Paul is teaching in Ephesians 4 and here in Colossians 3 is what I like to call the put off and put on dynamic or the principle of replacement. God is not like, see, see we, we buy into this idea of, right, I want to live my best life or I want to be the best version of me. If God wanted you to be the best version of you, why would he tell you to crucify yourself? If God really wanted you to be the best version of yourself, then why would he tell you to put to death what's earthly among you? It's because he don't want you to live your best life. He wants you to live his best life. He wants to live his best life through you. And in order to do that, it means that there are some things you got to put away. You got to have a godly character. What I love here, he, did, he didn't just say put on. He told us exactly what to put on. We, we have to guess, right? He's telling them, put on the fruit of the spirit. He says, compassionate heart. We need to display tender feelings of compassion toward one another. This ain't just something, y'all, that we turn on and off like a TV set. It's a constant attitude of heart that makes us easy to live with. Do you know, right, the more compassionate you become, the more people may want to live in relationship with you? He said, put on compassionate hearts. But then he says, put on kindness. You know, one of the things that breaks my heart, right, is a church that's not kind. How can we experience the saving power of Jesus, right, when the ushers at the door mean? I think that, right, for whatever reason, Davina, we think that ushers and greeters is Greek for security. <laughs> But no, it's like we have to put on kindness, right? We've been saved because of God's kindness toward us through Christ. We in turn ought to show kindness toward others, right? Scripture says, Scripture gives us a command, right? Be kind to one another or, or Pastor Darren, be ye kind to one another. We got to be kind. And then he says, then he says, not just kindness, but put on humility. What is this? Humility. What does it mean to be humble? Right? Humility is not thinking poorly of yourself, but it's having the proper estimate of yourself in the will of God. Right? The person with humbleness of mind thinks of others first and not himself. Like, humility doesn't say I don't think of myself. It says I don't think of myself first. Do you know, right, that to, to take this position on humility, 
to say that I don't think about myself right is not honoring God's creation. Right? You should think about yourself, right? Christ did. How, how do I know he did? Let me, let me help you, right? There's somebody said, oh, he's getting out the book. No, I'm still in the book. Here it is. He says, I must be about my father's business. How do I know Christ was thinking about himself, right? Because he said, I just want to be about my father's business. That word I is a personal pronoun that describes me. <laughs> so he says, I must be about my father's business. But, but hear this. What came first? Come here, Philippians 2, right? We can't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, right? But we got to put others first. Like, think about Christ. He didn't, he didn't think that equality was a thing to be exploited, but he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus was so humble, right, that he thought about you before he thought about him. We got to be humble. We got to put on humility, right? What I love, right, when you think about humility, Romans 12, right? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. He says, put on humility. But he follows that up with another word, talking about putting on godly character, right? He follows that up with another word, right? Not only do you need to put on humility, but when you put on humility, you also got to put on meekness. Well, what is meekness? It's self-control. Here it is. Meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. Now, the thing here, right, is that um, self-control is an oxymoron. Right? How is self-control an oxymoron? Because we focus so much on self-control that we think we can actually control ourselves. But here's the thing. We cannot control ourselves. Well, what is this meekness? Meekness is you giving your life remote to the father and says, God, you tell me when to turn my volume up. You tell me when to mute. You tell me when to change the channel, right? You tell me when to unplug. You tell me when to press the power. But meekness, right, is power under control. The meek person does not have to fly off the handle because they know that the person who has the remote has everything under control, right? Meekness is placing your life remote in the hands of God, right? But then he says, I says meekness, right? He tells you to put on patience. Now, now, now Brother Kenny, I think that, right, if, if I can process this, right, uh, Paul knew something that we don't, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around. What is that? We have a hard time wrapping our mind around lengths of time. So he said, I already told you to put all of this on. I already told you about your character, but what I need you to know here is that it ain't gonna happen overnight. So while, while you're putting on meekness, while you're putting on humility, right, while you're putting on godly character, put on patience too. But see, when a person is patient, when a person is long-suffering, he can put up with provoking people or circumstances or even suffering without retaliating. Like, I want you to know that it's good to be able to get angry. I need you to understand this, right? I want to recommend a book, right? I want to recommend a book to everybody, right? You read it in your own time. It's called Voices of the Heart by an author named Chip Dodd, right? It wasn't until I read this book 
that I really began to wrap my mind around Ephesians 4.10, be angry and sin not, right? I, 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 read, I read this book, and then I realized that, wait a minute, anger is actually a sign of holy character? What? It, tell, it teaches you how to process your feelings well. Hear this, right? It's, it's good to be able to get angry because that's a sign of holy character, but it is wrong to get angry quickly at the wrong things and for the wrong reasons and not have patience in it, right? Hear this. Put on forgiveness, he says. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, the point here is that of Keeping oneself in check, even when you're getting irritated by others and forgetting the offenses personally received. We have to do so. Looking to Jesus as our example, y'all. Putting on love. When love rules in our lives, y'all, it unites all these spiritual virtues so that there is beauty and harmony that indicates spiritual maturity. Right. When you are in right relationship with God, hear this. It affects your character, but it also affects your life rhythm. So he says, put on godly character. Right. Gives a long list of what we need to put on. But then the second part, he says, number two, when you are in right relationship with God, you behave in peace. What? Here's what he said. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. When you wear clothes, when you were, when you clothe yourself with Christian character, it produces peace. When your life reflects Jesus, peace rules you. Rule simply means to umpire. Right. To umpire the peace of God. Right. If you think about an umpire in a baseball game, his responsibility is to govern the game. That's it. That's the responsibility. Right. It's the umpire that calls the strikes. It's the umpire that calls the ball. It's the umpire that calls the home run. I know we thought that we called a home run because, well, I know it's a home run because I saw it. But if the umpire calls it a foul, guess what it is? It's a foul. Right. That's what the peace of God does in the life of the blood ball. The peace of the God must govern our hearts. The peace of God is the one that helps us to see what God wants us to see. Even when things aren't going your way, the peace of God rests in us, helping us, right, to behave in a way that gives honor to the Father. There's lots of, there's lots of folk, y'all, who profess Christ in several ways, but when you look at their life, it's chaotic. Life seems to be in shambles. But let me share with you, church, that where there's no peace, there's chaos. And those of us who belong to Jesus, we cannot allow our passions or our desires to govern us, but we must let peace govern us. Let me remind you of this, right? Peace is not a thing, but peace is a person. Right? Yeah. Peace is a person and we must be governed by peace. Well, if peace is a person, who is our peace? It's Jesus Christ. We must behave in Christ. Come here. Uh, Ephesians 2, right? He says in Ephesians 2, he is our peace. 
that helps us to know that peace is not a thing, but rather peace is a person. I love, right, what Jesus talks about in Matthew 10, because when Jesus was talking to his disciples in Matthew 10, he said, I didn't come to bring peace to the world. I came to bring a sword to it, right? He didn't have to bring peace. Why? Because since he was here, peace was already here. Because he's our peace. We got to behave in peace. When you are right with God, it affects your character. But it affects your life rhythms. Not only, right, do you put on godly character, not only do you behave in peace, but number three, right, when you are in right, when you are right with God, it affects your character and your life rhythms. But number three, right, when you write with God, you dwell in the word. You dwell in the word. He says in verse 16, I love this. Here's what he says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Listen, it does little good if those of us who are followers of Jesus declare and defend the truth but fail to demonstrate it in our life. It does, it, it does a little good. There are some Christians who would defend the truth at the drop of a hat, but their personal lives deny the very doctrines that they profess to love. There are many people, y'all, who are great on doctrine and, and want to be fundamental in the faith, y'all. That's all important, right? These people, y'all, can they can often be heard praising Bible study, but don't attend it. These are the people, right, who talk about how much they love the word, but when you begin to ask questions about their life rhythms and if they dwelled in it, they're like, I just don't have the time. Right? No. Right? I remember, y'all, when I was a kid, it seemed like when people had a rough day, they would say stuff like, when my day get rough, I just go home, run me some bath water, pour me some wine, and just relax. That would be their way of decompressing. But let me tell you this, the best decompression, the best relaxation regimen that you can ever add to your life rhythms is to soak in the scriptures. Right? That, that's the best relaxation you could ever give in your life, right? Come here, John 15, you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Right. If the word of God is speaking the word to you, that is how you decompress. That is how you be reminded of peace. That is how you be reminded of joy. Do you know the best Saturday night bath you could ever take is to study the word of God? Right. Dwell. This word dwell means to to be at home, to be given the run of the house. Right. Here's my question for you. Are you allowing the word of God to be at home in your heart? Or you allowing, right, the word of God, or you giving the word of God run in your life. The Bible should not be a strange book to you. Scripture, the word of God, should permeate every aspect of the believer's life and control every thought, every word and every deed. I love Psalms 119 because he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
What am I saying? When you are right with God, it affects your character and your life rhythms. Are you dwelling in the word? Or is the word just fading because it's just sitting in the back window of your car? Like, do you know, right, when you think about a believer, we have no excuse. Followers of Jesus have no excuse as to why we're not dwelling in the word. Why? Because it's at our fingertips. Right? Even our kids, even our students, right, we have no excuse because every kid has a tablet just about. Everybody got cell phones, right? Be it Apple or Android, whatever, you got it. You can download the app, right? And I know, right, that we're in this time where, like, like I'm going to tell you, right, I was thinking back, really, right, to where when I was a kid, right, I'm like, what did I do in church as a kid? What did I do? Right, my daddy bought me the handheld games, but it was one place I couldn't take it. Right, I had action figures, but it was one place I couldn't take it. Right? Because there was expectations. There were expectations, right, that, that if I'm hurt, there was something he wanted me to hurt, and he didn't want me to be distracted and miss it. Right? So, so the reality of it is, right, if, it, like, if you are in right relationship with God, yeah, it affects your character. Yeah, it affects your life rhythms. And I'm going to tell you this, right, it ought to push you to dwell in the word. Because when I'm right with God, I want to know all about him. I want to know all about him, right? And the best way for me to know about him is to let him tell me. I ain't got to go to Google. I can go to him, Right? I don't, I don't need uh, infinite Wi-Fi to hear from God. I can open up my Bible myself. You got to dwell in the Word. Think about it. When you're in right relationship with old girl, I'm talking about Mike. I'm talking about Mike when you and Davina first met, when she was the girl across the street, right? <laughs> right? You want to know all about her, so you had questions. You ain't call her friend. You ain't phone a friend. You ain't use the lifeline. Like, we, we scheduled time. We scheduled dates, right? We wanted to eat dinner together. We wanted to know all about them, so we made the time. We dwelled with them. What would happen if we take that same approach with our Heavenly Father? To say, God, I want to know so much about you that I just want to make time. God, God, you know what, God? I'm going on a date with you. I'm going on a date with you, right? And I'm going to tell you what. God, he's saying, you know, oh, you want to go on a date with me? That's fine. It ain't even going to cost you nothing because he said, I already picked up the tab. He already paid with his life. He says, all you got to do is just pick up the plate. It's already fixed. You just got to dwell. When you are right with God, it affects your character. It affects your life rhythms, right? Every area of our lives, right, must be transformed by the fact that we are in right relationship with God. I need you to grab this. I need you to take hold of this. If you bonded to the gospel in faith, then listen, you are right with God. And that brings so much joy. It brings so much peace. It brings so much understanding to our lives. And, and it changes how we live, it changes, right? Uh, how we live in this life. And because we are in right relationship with God, we must, number one, put on godly character. We must behave in peace. We must dwell in the word. And here's my final point, and I'm done, I promise. Number four, you got to represent Christ. 
You got to represent Christ. Like, think about it, right? He says, put off and then put on, right? Think about it, right? If somebody got some fresh Nikes on, how do you know it? Not only, not only do they walk different, but you see a big old swoosh on the side. You know who they represent. I remember, right, um, when, I got, when I got my first car, I go to see my dad, right? Go to see my dad. I was excited about my first car, right? I didn't get it till I was over 20, but pray for me, right? I go see my dad, right? I had my temp tag on the back. Didn't have a plate on the front, but on the front was the, was the, uh, the dealership that I got the car from. So my dad, if you know my dad in cars, my dad is a stickler with stuff. My dad is the guy who gets off the highway from a trip, a 14-hour trip, and goes straight to the car wash. Right? So I pull up at his house. He said, man, nice car. But I see something. I said, what's that? He said, why you got the people who you got the car from on the front of your car? Why you doing, why you giving them free advertisement? He said, you representing them when they ain't going to remember you when this car gone. I said, you know what? That makes sense. Right? So I got a screwdriver out of his garage and I took that thing off until I got my plate somewhere. It, it wasn't even 30 days, y'all. I didn't even ride illegal. But here's the thing. We represent everything else. Right, we, we put on Nikes, we want, we want everybody to know they Nikes. We got on Jays, we want everybody to know they Jays. Right, because we love the St. Louis Cardinals, it's nothing to throw on a Cardinals brim. Right, because we love the Lakers, I'm sorry, but, but like we, we quickly throw on Lakers girl. All those different things. But what if you put off the old man and you put on Christ, and because of that you represent him, and people are saying, you know what, I know who you represent. You represent Christ, right? Let me give you the word. Here it is. Here's what he says. Here's what he says in verse 17, talking about representing Christ. He says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This simply means to act consistently with who he is and what he wants. It means everything that we do ought to point to him. Everything we do ought to point to him. As followers of Jesus, we bear the name of Jesus. The name of Christ then for us means identification. We belong to Christ. We ought to identify with Christ. His name also means authority. Think about this. Oh, young people, I'm going to teach you something. Back in my day, we used to use these things called personal checks. Okay? Now, I know, right, that y'all do cash app and all that, right? But in my day, it wasn't no cash app. It wasn't no Zelle. We used personal checks, right? But the thing about a personal check, right, is that even if it's all filled out, there was one important thing that it needed. It needed a signature. Because the signature on the check says that whoever put this in your hand has the authority to give it to you. 
See, the joy of representing Christ is that you represent somebody who, who's already signed your life, right? It means that because you represent him, he signed your life, meaning that he has authority. You identify with him, right? A man's name signed to a check authorizes the withdrawal of money from the bank. The president's name signed to a bill makes it a law. In the same way, it is the name of Jesus that we have the authority to pray. It is in the name of Jesus that we have authority to dwell in the word. It's in the name of Jesus that we've been given authority to speak truth to power. It is in the name of Jesus that we have been given authority to represent him. It is in the name of Jesus that every knee must bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And because I'm in right relationship with him, I want everybody to know whose name is on my tag. I need everybody to know that, that, that like, because I belong to him, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's nothing that this world can do to take my joy. There's nothing that this world can do to take my peace because I belong to him. Marvin Sapp said, he mine. I'm his. It doesn't matter what I did. He only sees me for who I am. Why? Because I'm in right relationship with him. And when me being in right relationship with God collides with my character, it affects how I live. It affects how I live in relationship with people. It affects how I walk. It affects how I talk. It affects how I live, move, and have my being. Jesus ought to be seen in every area of your life. He should. Question. How you living your life? How you living your life? I know you thought for a long time that your life was in your hands. And the truth is, it may have been. But I want you to know that it don't have to remain that way. The check has already been signed. Matter of fact, not only is the check been signed, Mama Tam, <laughs> here it is. The check already cleared. Right? If you don't know what check being signed, check cleared, what it means is that the cash app has already been accepted. <laughs> it's done. Maybe you wrestling through this whole right relationship with God thing and and you're just like, you know what? I'm right with God, but, but I just want to be honest. This character thing, I need work. I need work on my character. You can stand right where you are. You ain't even got to come up and stand where you are. Thank you for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.